and everybody got it back again. Don't take no mess out the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrabble it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Podcast episode three. I am Sean Hyken, the host and author of the Rose Garden Report, which you can subscribe to on rosegardenreport.beehive, B E E H I I V.com. Free and paid subscriptions are all offered for paid subscribers. I just had a big Blazers free agency preview this morning that went up. So if you are a paid subscriber, thank you. And you can go check that out. If you're not, I would encourage you to become one. So for this episode of the podcast, I haven't really done much on the Jeremy Grant trade since it happened about a week ago because the draft was the next day and, you know, obviously that was taking up a lot of attention and then now free agency is starting later in the week. So I wanted to get someone on here who has covered Jeremy Grant in Detroit where he's been for the last two years and has watched him a lot more than I have on a regular basis. So I've got my guy, James Edwards, who covers the Pistons for The Athletic and is one of the most plugged in guys on that beat and has been for a number of years. And he's also just a guy I've known for a long time and does really good work. So James, thanks a lot for doing this. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate the kind words and uh, happy for you to start this new endeavor. Yeah, like Sean said, go subscribe to Sean's work and his podcast. He does does good work. We'll get into... Jeremy kind of as a player and how he might fit on the Blazers in a little bit. But let me ask you this first, from your end, you're somebody who's pretty plugged into the Pistons front office and kind of how Troy Weaver and his people all kind of operate. How did this develop from the Pistons end as far as the Jeremy trade talks, be it, you know, back at the deadline. I know the Blazers went after him pretty hard at the time and nothing got done there. And then, you know, teams were calling now, you know, before the draft and then, Eventually, they pulled the trigger with this one, which seemed like it was a little bit less of a return than I think people thought. But you wrote and you reported after the trade got done that this was the best offer they had on the table, these future picks and swaps that Portland ended up sending. So how did it all develop from Detroit's end? What we saw was there at the deadline, I would guess, or or variations of it. And if you're Detroit, you might as well just wait and take this into the summer to see if anybody else gets desperate. X, Y, Z, numerous, numerous reasons for, for why his value might go up. So I was told that this has been kind of the best offer that they've gotten in regards to Jeremy. And I think when I said that, I think people might've got confused. The Pistons' goal with trading Jeremy was to create the cap space. So there may have been better offers when you look at it on the surface, but if Detroit didn't want to take any money back, this was the best offer when you look at their goals. They didn't have to take any money back. They cleared $20 million in cap space. They were able to turn essentially Jeremy Grant and the in the pick that Portland gave them for Jeremy into Jalen Durant. So when everybody was kind of like, eh, this return isn't what I thought, Aaron Gordon got R.J. Hampton, Gary Harrison, a future first. Robert Covington got two firsts. Well, by the time the dust settled, the Pistons got a lottery pick for Jeremy Grant. So um, I think the return was was good. The Pistons had to do a little bit of leapfrogging and maneuvering to get it. 
but it led to them being applauded by the whole NBA world for how they pulled it off. Um, and yeah, I think Jeremy wanted an extension. I think he was, if I had to guess, I think he was ready to get into a situation that might be a little bit more um, ahead of schedule than where Detroit is. Him and Dame are very close. Yes. Uh, so the Portland stuff was always, Portland was always going to be of interest, especially if Dame is helping, I don't want to say call shots, but steering that front office in the right direction. Um, and then finally Detroit and Portland found a deal. Well, Detroit didn't have to take any money back and were able to be the biggest player in free agency. Yeah, you're, well, you're absolutely right that this was something that Dame wanted. I don't know what their relationship was before the Olympics, but I know that they got pretty tight when they played together on the Olympic team last summer. Yeah. You know, stepping back, I thought, like you said, with what Detroit's goals were, I thought this was a pretty fair deal for both sides. Oh, for sure. Portland, yeah, Portland didn't give up much. They didn't really give up much. Like, that That Bucks pick, I mean, and which Detroit ended up trading, but that pick is in 2025. Giannis is still going to be 29 in 2025. So I would think that pick <laughs> is probably still going to be in the twenties somewhere. And Detroit was able to turn that into a lottery pick. And with them not wanting to extend Jeremy Grant for, I think the rumor is like what, four years, one fourteen is the extension that yeah, he around there, yeah. wants. That doesn't make sense for Detroit to give him that money because they're still in this early stage of the rebuild. They've got Cade. They now have Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran. They've got Sadiq Bay. They kind of have this younger group that they're building around. Whereas with Portland, like they still have Dame. Dame is locked in here. He's going to get his own extension soon. They're trying to win now. They're trying to make the playoffs. And so paying a guy like Jeremy Grant what he wants to be paid actually makes sense for them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the way that they're looking at it. And they, like you said, they didn't have to give up that much. Like they were able to do this and then at the same time still take that upside swing with taking Shaden Sharp at number seven. And feel like they still made at least one win now move with more to come yeah I I think both teams left very happy because there was obviously the talk that for the last few months could Detroit get the seventh pick from Portland obviously that was never on the table that was never on the table um and on top of that Detroit got at 13 who well I mean through the through the trading they got who they would have taken at seven anyway they would have taken Jalen Duran at seven so it worked out for both sides is that is that true is that who they would have taken I believe so. I'm under okay. the impression even that if Ivy wasn't there at five, that Duran might have been the pick at five. Really? Because that seems like way... I mean, I know that obviously Troy Weaver is always somebody who's kind of been unconventional and thought outside the box, but that seems way higher than where a lot of the mocks that I saw. I mean, obviously, I don't think a lot of these front offices paid much right. attention to the mock drafts, but... I think Troy is a... I mean, is there a chance that they could have took five and moved back? I think with five, with that five pick, they would have found a way to get Duran, to my knowledge. But also, I think Troy is a why because he's range, picked in this range. Do I have to pick him in that range? I think Troy. Right. If, if I like a guy, I'm going to go get the guy at that spot. So, I, I think the Pistons broke out with even better case scenario than they an, anticipated because Ivy fell to them, and then Portland got the best case scenario where they got their, the guy, the veteran that they've wanted for a little bit, plus a high upside swing. So that's welcome to the NBA where everybody's happy in a trade. It doesn't happen very often. I've always thought that Jeremy Grant's career in Detroit was kind of interesting. I know there was a lot of controversy when he, or I guess, I I don't know if controversy, but I think surprise might be the word. That's a better word. When he first signed there, because he was on a pretty good Denver team that had, made it past the first round of the playoffs two years in a row, made it to the conference finals in the bubble. And Denver offered him the same money that Detroit offered him. Mm -hmm. And he decided to go to a team that clearly was rebuilding and wasn't going to be very good because he wanted to expand his own offensive role. And 
clearly that bet on himself kind of paid off. And, you know, he put up really good numbers in that, I guess we'll say year and a half because he missed a lot of last year with the thumb injury, but with the tanking how- injury. Yes, the tanking injury, which is what which is what a lot of the well, I guess the, guys, you're right. Like this past year, the thumb injury was legit, but he also his first year in Detroit, he did miss like the last month. Sure, uh, when I think he could have played if they were pushing for the playoffs. So yes, you are correct. The, the thumb injury was legit this year. It was legit, but also probably he could have come back sooner than that if they were trying to win games. Yeah, I mean it's probably possible. Yeah. I know he did have to get <laughs> surgery, but I do think yes, toward the tail end maybe they could have pushed him like a, up a week or two or something. Like right. That. Like Dame easily could have come back from the ab injury if they right. were, if there was any reason for him to, for example. But so, what do you think? I mean, because now he's going to a team. You know, obviously the Blazers are going to be a lot more competitive, ideally, than Detroit has been. But he's going to probably go back because Dame is obviously still the guy. Right. They're going to re-sign Anthony Simons. They're going to re-sign Yusuf Nurkic, who has always kind of been a guy who needs a lot of touches. He's going to go back probably to being the third or fourth option now that he's on a playoff team. Do you, having covered him and been around him, do you think now that, you know, given that that was part of why he went to Detroit in the first place because he wanted a bigger role, do you think he's going to be ready for going back to what his role was before, maybe in Denver, something closer to that. Now that he's kind of has he like gotten that out of his system a little bit? Is yeah, what, yeah. Is what I'm asking. Do you think? I think a couple things. I don't know if this is out there. When the Pistons signed Jeremy, I think he knew that there was a possibility that there would be a rebuild. But I also think he might have had the idea that the team would try under Weaver, maybe try to retool on the fly, kind of see kind of what like what Portland did, and he would be one of the focus points. So not only would he be able to get more touches, but he would be a focal point out of a team trying to make the playoffs, which they were when he got there with, they still had Blake, they still had Derek. It was, I think everybody anticipated those two to eventually kind of sputter off and it not work. And then the team would rebuild, but they had those guys on the team to start. And it it was a matter of at least seeing what that could be. Of course, Jeremy came here to, to show what he can do. And I think that the fact that he, Portland, I'd imagine, I don't have, I didn't never see a list or anything, but I imagine if he was traded, Portland was one of the teams he wanted to get traded to. He probably, well, un- I think that's probably because of his relationship with Dane. Exactly. To- exactly. But with that understanding, he knows that he's not the man there. Um, and with Anthony Simons really emerging, like there's a chance he's the third score. And like you said, your uh, Nurkic needs touches, but I think Jeremy will be fine because I do think he'll be able to be the on ball creator. I think people forget that you're in Denver. Um, while he did play a lot, he really he only started 24 games. Um, so he wasn't always starting for the Nuggets, despite being a pivotal piece for him. Um, now it's no question in Portland he'll start. He'll still be able to create off the dribble. Um, I think as the year went on this year, I think Jeremy improved as a playmaker for others. At, at times when Cade first got ushered in, I think Jeremy still kind of held the torch as this is this is my team. And then he went away and Cade really emerged. And I think Jeremy did a good job of like being more of a creator and and getting guys involved. And I think you'll see that in Portland, too, because he has a it's a peer to peer respect with Dame. It's not a situation in Detroit where he's the oldest. He's the most proven. I could see why, like when you're out there in the heat of the moment, why am I deferring to this kid? Uh, not that not that I'm saying he had that type of ego or anything, but right. it, it definitely took him a little bit to to open up more as a playmaker. Um, but I think when he comes into a situation in Portland, that's 
defined on whose team that is, who's going to get the most touches, who's going to get the most shots. So I think it works well because of their friendship, because of it already being solidified as who is the guy. I mean, Jeremy spent his first year and a half in Detroit as the guy, and then Kate emerged and he's no longer the guy. So uh, it's a different dynamic altogether. And defensively too is, you know, he's a huge upgrade over what they've had. He's really, he's really, what, what he really is, is he's kind of like a much better offensive version of kind of the, and this is, this is going to seem like, because this guy is kind of a role player and, and was a career role player in the NBA that, but just kind of what the role is going to be. It almost feels like what Jeremy Grant is going to be in Portland is a much more offensively focused version of kind of what the Al Farouk Aminu role was those first mm-hmm. couple of years after like the LaMarcus Aldridge, Nicholas Batum yeah. team broke up where this is almost exactly the kind of guy that Portland has needed around Dane. A little Dorian Finney Smith Smithish. Yeah. Maybe a more advanced. I, I like Dorian a lot, but I would say most people would too. say Jeremy's probably a little bit better offensively. Dorian's probably more efficient, but Jeremy has a little bit more in his bag. But even on the on the efficiency side, like Jeremy, one of the things that was so impressive about when he first got to Detroit was he took that deal instead of going back to Denver because he wanted more touches. Usually when somebody who's on a bad or who's on a good team goes to a bad team where they're going to score more, they're maybe going to score more points, but their efficiency is going to go down. His efficiency pretty much stayed the same when he got to Detroit and he, yeah, he didn't drop that off first there. year. Yep. That first year, obviously last year was a totally different thing because they knew the whole time that they were tanking and then he had the thumb injury. So right. You almost that, have that to first throw that year, out. that first year, I think people were surprised that the efficiency didn't significantly dip. It was pretty, yeah, like you said, it was pretty much the same, like, like maybe like a percentage point, but it was very close uh, in, in, uh, in relation to how many more touches he was getting for sure. A, cu- a couple more things I want to. Well, so I, I'm interested actually now. So now that the Pistons did that, I get a little bit of Pistons talk here. What what are they going to do with all this cap space? Are they going to actually? Because you and I were talking a few days ago when when after all this stuff happened, or or you know when it looked like the Pistons were clearing all this cap space, mm-hmm. uh, and you mentioned something about how they might be trying to throw an offer sheet at Anthony Simons. I have written and have reported i don't even think it's going to get to the point where he's ever going to be fielding offers i think he and the blazers are going to get something done pretty close to the start of free agency but do you think that with all of this cap space that they have do you think that miles bridges or deandre ayton or like one of those big restricted guys that is seen as possible to leave his uh current team do you think that's actually a possibility as somebody they could go after or are they going to kind of spread it around a little bit more do you think yeah, since we last talked, I've I've been told by multiple people that now and and post draft uh, that the idea for the Pistons now is to I'd be very I'll say this I'd be very surprised if they throw a max deal at anybody, okay. um, and I I don't even I mean unless nobody like throws any type of money at Miles Bridges besides the qualifying offer maybe they go for him then depending on like I don't think they're going to get into the mid twenties for these guys is what I would say. Um, I think they're going to fill it out with veteran role players, but I don't necessarily think that's free agency. Um, I think that they're going to do the uh, they're going to go out and they're going to look at look for trade possibilities to add more assets. Uh, I wrote about that like to take back money with yes. and with draft picks attached or something yes. like that. Yep. I looked at I actually wrote a piece today where I looked at three three uh, potential trades and one I had was and Charlotte fans weren't a fan of it, but Gordon Hayward's contracts a lot. So it was Gordon Hayward and PJ Washington for Olinick and somebody else. Um, and then there was New York, uh, Fournier, 
uh, a future first and Detroit second round back for Corey Joseph. And then there was Miami where it's like Duncan Robinson and a first round pick for like Corey Joseph or something like that. So whether I'm not, I don't know if any of those trades have been discussed or whatever, but they're going to, my guess is that they do something like that where they take on a hefty contract. I shouldn't say hefty. Well, in Gordon Hayward's case. Yeah. Yeah. Gordon Hayward's case hefty, but like a 12 to $18 million contract and get an asset in return. That makes sense. I mean, that's interesting that you brought up the Charlotte one because I know Portland is, I I know that that's PJ Washington is somebody that I know that they're looking at. I don't know how realistic it is that Charlotte will trade him, but they, they have this trade exception that is a kind of a smaller one. It's the one they got in the Robert Covington trade. They obviously use their bigger one in the, in the grant trade, but Mm -hmm. they have this other one that they're kind of targeting you know, he's a guy, uh, Cam Johnson is a guy if Phoenix decides that, you know, they do want to keep Aiton and they don't want to pay him. Thibel, I know, is somebody. But, like, somebody like that who's a good young guy on a rookie contract that his team might not want to pay him, that's somebody that they're looking at. I don't know if, like, yeah. a Gordon Hayward, like, taking back Gordon Hayward's contract is something that Portland would really even be trying to do there. The but- Pistons can take Hayward and Washington and if, if, as long as Olenek goes back in the deal and still have $20 million in cap space. So I think Detroit has set itself up greatly. Uh, to take on something like that for sure. But Portland, yeah, it probably doesn't make much sense to take on Hayward. I don't even know if they can. They, well, the, the one thing that they still have to work with trade wise is they have that Eric Bledsoe deal. Which oh yeah, that's right. 19 million is the number, but then it's like 3.9 guaranteed. And the guarantee date isn't until July 10th. So they have some time to use that. I had actually thought that that might be what they used in the Jeremy trade because his salary is about the same as, his salary. I know that would have been the outgoing money if they had been able to get anything done with uh, John Collins or OG Ananobi, who were the two main guys that they were trying to go after with the seventh pick on draft night. Those were the kind of the two guys they were targeting, and the and the, and the Bledsoe money would have been who you know the the way that they would have been able to match salaries on right one of those guys. So you think overall, you think this Grant fit in Portland is going to obviously we have to see how the rest of free agency shakes out around the league but do you like where do you where do you see a Dame Anthony Simons Yusuf Nurkic Jeremy Grant starting small forward x like where do you see that kind of in the west hierarchy assuming Dame is back and healthy and playing at the level that he was before this injury right um first off Jeremy and you said it earlier and I think people have said it ever since Jeremy was tied like Jeremy's the exact type of player that Portland has needed forever. Yeah. Um, and even more so, I, I mean, it's it's almost like Paul George light. It, obviously, he's not Paul George. That's not what I'm saying. But to have right. a, a wing who can create his own shot and then defend the other team's best players, like they've had Robert Covington in the past. They've had Al Farouk Aminu in the past. But those guys aren't creating their own shots. So this is exactly what Portland has needed. I don't necessarily – I mean, if Dame is healthy, anything's – anything short of a title is possible to me. If somebody told me that they would be better than like the peak Dame and CJ years, like I wouldn't surprise me because that team was so bad defensively that what they lose in CJ offensively, in which they might not lose because Simons has been so good. And he's making like half the money once they reach. I think he's probably going to get like 18 to 20 a year. So they're going to, he's going to be doing a lot of what CJ did for basically half the money. Exactly. And then you plug in a Jeremy Grant. So you're adding even more offensive upside to a team and sharing up defensively. So it's a weird team. 
it's so weird that like I don't even feel comfortable like trying to predict where they because uh-huh. like if somebody told me they were the four seed, I wouldn't be shocked. And if somebody told me they were in the play in, I wouldn't be shocked. And if somebody told me they missed the playoffs, I wouldn't be shocked. I I'm fascinated to see if the the shift in how they built the roster pr- produces wins because we've seen them win offensive heavy. Now they have more balance, but they don't have unless Simon. I mean, and Simon's could again fill the CJ role and be a mid twenty low 20 point scorer but i just think there's more balance now and i'm very curious to see if that produces more wins come the playoffs it is interesting kind of the archetype of because the last gm is very obvious that he liked six three guards who could score like you had dame c there was at a point where they had dame cj simons and norm powell so that's four yeah. six foot three guards who they were gonna you know if they were gonna pay simons they would have basically been paying four six three guards now the current front office and you know, to an extent, also Chauncey Billups, who is very much involved in, you know, the front office decisions as well. It's like kind of the whole organization, like Dame is very involved. Chauncey's very involved. They're all kind of now prioritizing. They have Dame, they have Simons, and everybody else they're trying to go after and everybody else they're trying to get on the roster is basically 6'6 to 6'8 wings who can guard multiple positions are basically trying to surround those those two you know high scoring smaller guards with just a lot of wings and a lot of guys who can define multiple positions so it's going to be interesting to see how that all works out one more one more thing before I let you go here uh you obviously you were not covering the Pistons back when Chauncey was on the team no I but was, you're I was you know, eating B lunch at middle school. <laughs> but you know, you're you're a Detroit guy. You've grew up, you know, following those teams. And, you know, you've been covering the league for long enough that like I don't know if you have any kind of relationship with Chauncey or, you know, have talked mm-hmm. to him much or have observed him like like what what have your impressions putting you know, putting aside everything that happened with the hire, which I've talked about a lot and, you know, the coaching search and yeah, you know, yeah. the way all of that. What do you think about, like, what have you seen from him as a coach and kind of what, as somebody with, you know, ties to Detroit where he has a lot of ties, like what, like what have been your impressions of him, you know, his, the coaching transition that he's made so far? I'm just curious what you think. Yeah, I think he's, a, I think he's going to succeed. Uh, I was skeptical at first just because we hadn't really seen anything. Like I know Detroit in the past had tried to, entertain him for a front office front office position uh but i was told that he kind of wanted to jump the line and and be the gm he wasn't interested in assistant gm so there's a there's very much a confidence there with him um and i think he is one of those those former players that if you're not everybody knows our age 30 and 30 i'm 30 so like 33 and like 33 to 26 everybody knows chauncey but like Mm -hmm. if you're not super familiar you might not think he's like one of those guys that like is got respect from current players like there are a lot of players he's been around that love him um i think he does a great job of blending good x's and o's while still being a a a a player's coach um and that's because he was a player so i think he's going to succeed there i like some of the stuff they ran i didn't obviously the roster was figuring itself out Uh, but i think chauncey's going to be good i think he commands a respect i think he comes from the grind, obviously, where especially being in Detroit, uh, I, I think it's a good situation. I think players look at him and there's and if you know, you know. Dame knows. Dame was old enough to know. Jeremy Grant's old enough to know. 
Anthony Simons learned, obviously. He probably <laughs> he, he was even younger than me when Chauncey was playing, if he was even born. Um, but those guys know and there's a respect there. And I think in today's NBA, we talk a lot about coaching with like the X's and O's guy. Like that's the best coach. I think 90% of coaching in the NBA today is being able to get the best out of players, whether that's communication, whether that's whatever it is. Like Ime Udoka was my vote for coach of the year because he turned a team around that was struggling in the middle of the season. Like that's so hard to do. It's not necessarily his X's and O's. Their offense isn't great, but he turned the team around because he kept them believing. He kept them engaged. They made, he made the team believe in him. Um, and I think Chauncey has that ability. And I think that stuff goes a far, goes a long way in today's NBA. Getting guys to play for you is the number one most important thing, I think, in an NBA coach today. And I think Chauncey has those traits. I think a lot of former players who become coaches kind of get underrated as like X's and O's guys. Too, yeah, that because, too. Yep. Because, you know, you just assume, oh, you know, this guy's going to be a good coach because he's a former player and players can relate to him. And that and that's the, the, the only thing that's going to make him a good coach. But these guys are, these guys are, I mean, the, and Chauncey is so unique because, you know, you, you mentioned that the Pistons were at one point interested in bringing him in for the front office. And I know that a couple of other teams had like the Cavs, I think were talking to him at yep. one point about a front office job. The Pacers were talking to him about a front office job. Didn't he like, take the Cavs one and then something happened? Like, I felt like that was reported that he was. He was close. I yeah. Think. Okay. I thought it. Okay. I misremembered. At some point he basically decided that he didn't want to be a front office guy anymore. And he wanted to get into coaching, but right. it's been, that's kind of been, it, it ended up being sort of like, Ever since, so basically since the front office changes in Portland that happened in December, he's been very involved in, like, he he and Dame were both, like, consulting on all the deadline moves, and they were consulting on this whole pre-draft process. So Chauncey, being a coach who knows, like, has, like, inter- looked at front office jobs before, and so he knows the salary cap, and he knows the CBA, and he kind of also gets the bigger picture of, like, when they tore everything down at the deadline of like, this is what they're trying to do. Whereas some coaches like I covered Tibbs in Chicago and he just could Mm -hmm. not understand any front office move that wasn't just geared around trying to win. Now, one thing I I thought was interesting was I think Chauncey just, you could tell he was absolutely miserable at the start of the season when that team was expected to be good and they were terrible and they were getting blown out. And he was just every night you could tell he was just like, what did I sign up for? And then once they traded everybody and it became clear they weren't trying to win games and he wasn't going to get judged on wins and losses and he could just focus on developing guys, his whole demeanor just totally changed and he just seemed like he was having such a better time and just enjoying the process of teaching guys and developing guys and helping guys get better. And now I'm interested to see now how he is like now that you're going in this season again with this trade with that they just made with Jeremy Grant. And with Dame back healthy, and I would assume they're going to add another couple of you know good rotation players and free agency over the next couple of weeks. Now they are going to go into the season expected to actually win and compete for the playoffs. So I wonder how that's all going to like going to you know going to translate. You know, now that he's coming in again with expectations, like I wonder like how much of it is he going to have learned from this first year that was kind of a disaster in a lot of ways, and then being able to take that kind of into this year. I, I think that's a great point. I think he did coach a little bit more free. Uh, once kind of the expectations were off. Um, I think Portland's in good hands and I like, I'd like what they're trying to do. Um, the idea of finally addressing the elephant in the room, which was having, a, I mean, they're still going to have a backcourt that can't defend, uh, but, right. b- but behind them, they have a little bit, it's, it's a little bit more comfortable uh, than it has been in the past. So 
Um, I would, if I were them, I would try to get another defensive minded guard. Maybe I mean, hey, that that uh, that Grant. Well, they have Josh Hart still. I think that's right. They have Josh Hart. Yeah, the Pistons trade isn't officially closed. Maybe they can work in Killian Hayes. I'm don't aggregate that. I'm just joking. Um, (laughs) But yeah, what is what what is what is Killian Hayes's like future in Detroit? Is he is he not really part of the long term plans anymore at this point, or what's the? Um, I think that will be figured out fairly quickly into next season. I think as of now. If we're saying it, yes, he still is. Uh, I, Killian Hayes is one of my, like, were you, I'm, I'm assuming you were on a lot of those same combine Zooms that I was the year that they were doing the draft combine, yeah. all virtual because of COVID. But do you remember uh, his Zoom? where? Because usually, you know, these teams will, you know, whoever, like a beat writer for whatever team is going to ask uh, whichever prospect, like, hey, have you worked out for the team that I cover? What do you think about them? And then the player will just like go through the motions of naming every good player on the team that he's asked about and saying, oh yeah, I think I'd fit in great there. Oh, it's a waste of time. I stopped this year. I didn't do any of that. I'm not, I, I can't sit through it anymore. No. Uh, yeah. It's a joke. But so that year I was on the zoom for Killian Hayes and some Cavs beat writer asked him if he'd worked out for the Cavs. And he was like, you know, they have Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, so I don't know how much sense it would make for me to go there. And I was like, wow, finally, one of these guys is actually honest about not being a great fit at the team he was asked about. That's cool. I didn't know that. I like that. Yeah, because those things get so mundane. Oh, my gosh. Shout out yeah. to Killian. Yeah, that's – that's you do raise a good point, though. The trade is not going to be – I was told the trade is not going to be made official until July 6th when yeah, the moratorium same. period is lifted. Right. So so Jalen Duran can't play in the uh, first summer league game. Wait, this, uh, summer league starts on the 7th, though. Yeah – wait, you're right. So I was told that he can't play in the first game, though. That maybe maybe he can't. So that so that that first game, by the way, Portland versus Detroit. Are you going to be right. there by then? Yes, I will be. I cool. I get there on the morning of the seventh. I forgot. I get there that. like the afternoon, so I'll. And it was actually funny because they didn't like when they announced the schedule. They announced the schedule before the draft. Yeah. And they announced that ESPN doubleheader for opening night, and it was like Portland with the seventh pick versus <laughs> Detroit with the fifth pick, and I was like, well. I don't know if whoever Portland takes with the seventh pick is going to be in Portland. Then it turns out that it actually is. They yeah. ended up just taking shade and sharp. So we are going to have something to watch. So I will, I will see you there for yes, that game then. I'll so, see you out there. Uh, James, thanks a lot for agreeing to do this with me and giving you know, some perspective on Jeremy Grant for Blazer fans who maybe haven't watched him a ton or haven't don't know much about him beyond just all these trade rumors. If you guys haven't checked out James's work, I, I'm not just saying this like because like we're friends and you're on this podcast with me, but I think you're one of the best team beat writers in the league. Like you, you oh, break a lot of news you, on the beat. You like I'm, I'm, I'm consistently feel like whenever you drop a feature, it's like oh that's a really good story idea that's really creative and like I wish I thought of that or something like that. You guys should be checking James out and like do you have any, like you just mentioned that. Your podcast is good too. I've been listening to a few episodes to see kind of what the reaction on your end was to the trade, the Bun and Cardigan show. It's, yeah. it's it's pretty fun. It's a good time. Thank you. Yeah, if you if you uh, if you have children, put earmuffs on them. We get a little <laughs> we get a little loose lipped at times, but I liked how much fun. you were flexing after draft night about breaking a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't understand how much Pistons. Fit. It's a whole it's a whole Pistons world. Thing. Is it a, is it is it from the whole like oh well if they don't like what you're reporting they're like oh well this guy doesn't have yes. sources is that kind yes. of what it is it was like yeah. Three people with egg emojis and it for some reason it got under my skin that week and 
So I let them have it. I was talking to like three people on that podcast, but I let those three people know. <laughs> Talk to me nice. That's good. Yeah, that's that's great. So anyway, check out James's stuff. Again, if you are not a Rose Garden Report subscriber yet, get on that, rosegardenreport.beehive.com. Uh, get the podcast wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, all of that. Uh, I'll be back probably another episode of the podcast uh, this weekend, maybe after the first few days of free agency i'll probably do something next and then obviously you know with free agency coming up i'll have coverage kind of across the board there so thanks for uh sticking with me here thanks for listening